Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to OviCast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we'll bring you less insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. With lambing finishing up around the country, we recap on how well flocks have performed during the lambing period, and where improvements can be made. So to discuss this in a bit more detail, I'm joined by my colleague Michael Gosting, who really outlines and discusses some of the key performance targets that we should aim for during lambing. We address issues such as barrenness and use on rearing lambs, and what follow-up actions farmers can take to address this. We move on to discuss issues around prolapse during the lambing period, and short and long-term actions can be taken to maybe reduce the incidence of this we see on farm level. We also discuss flock health and in particular antibiotic usage in lambs and ways we can see this drastically reduced at farm level. Stick with the lambing team, Michael talks about impact on nutrition and other contributing factors on lambing difficulty, the level of assistance provided during lambing and what strategies we can implement to improve the situation. We finish up with Michael highlighting how some simple changes in management from now on can help improve the outcome of next year's lambing. But we start off however with Michael outlining why it's important to take stock of how well a flock performed during the lambing period, when it's fresh in our minds, and complete a simple lambing review. Lambing is, is, is finished up on a lot of farms, or finishing up maybe on, on some of the later lambing or, or, or hill flocks at this stage, and I think it's a good time uh, when people are just finished or finishing up um, to take stock and review what, what's happened. Um, you know, lots of people might use a little notebook, um, or write it down somewhere, have a, a chart in the shed, or some people might be writing nothing down, but it might still be relatively fresh in their head. At this stage, um, Kieran, it's a good time for people to s- sit down, um, take stock of, of what's happened, um, what went well, what didn't go well. Um, and really the aim of doing this is that we can put in plan a place, uh, put in place a plan, sorry, Kieran, that next year we're... we're um, not finding ourselves in the same situation with the things that didn't work and that we can, you know, make sure that the things that did work for us are going to be, be done again next year. So that, that's what we're about, really. And I think, Michael, it's probably something we're all guilty of is actually putting some of that information into action and planning for the next year. And sometimes the start of lambing can seem like a distant memory to most, but it's really about reducing some of them challenges you face during and maybe some tweaks in management they can improve it. Like, just maybe to put a bit of perspective around this, what are the kind of key highlight figures we need to look for that may be indicative of a problem that we might be aware of on the farm? Yeah, look at, and uh, the, these are figures that people will have, you know, probably at the top of their head or definitely if they don't have it on top of their head, they'll have it written in a notebook somewhere. The number of yos that you put to the ram um, last, last back end, so in October, November, when the yos went to the ram, how many went to the ram? Uh, when you scanned your yos in, in December, January, February, depending on when that happened, how, uh, you know, how many yos were, were scanned um, and what was the, 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 the scan rate? How many lambs were inside those yos? Those, those are kind of important figures because that's your potential crop. Um, the number of yos that were barren at scanning time. Okay, so when we went out and scanned, how many yos were empty? That's an important figure because, okay, they're, they're not going to be in lamb. And then the number of yos that you have now out in the field with lambs. So if you just did a tot there, how many yos are gone out with lambs um, and subtract that from the number of yos that went to the ram. That, that's a good figure. See how many of these yos that went to the ram last October, November are not out with lambs for various different reasons. They were either dry or barren at, at scanning time. 
or they were in lamb and lost lambs, aborted, or just didn't lamb down. You know, they, they lost them at some stage. We didn't even see it happening. Or they lambed, uh, you know, perfectly normally, but lost the lambs or had mastitis or something and weren't able to go out with their lambs. You know, and, and really what we're looking to see there is, is can, can we get over 90% of the yos that go to the ram going out into the field with lambs? That's a target for people. More than 90%. So for every 100 yos that go to the ram last October, November, we'd want to have more than 90 of them gone out with, 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 with lambs. Uh, and, and if not, then we need to have a look at why is that happening? Why have we less yos going? What, what's, what, what is the problem? Are they barren at scanning time? Are they losing their lambs at some stage uh, between scanning and lambing? Or have we an issue with mastitis or things like that? Like just it, it raises a bit of a flag on the farm. Like your figure at scanning, Michael, that over 90%. So if we break that down slightly, at scanning him, you're looking for what, less than 4% of them empty? Yeah. So at scanning time, we really want about 96% of the O's lambing, lambing um, are in lamb. Uh, less than, less than uh, 4%. Uh, four to, and less uh, of, of barren yaws, really. Because these are, are, are the yaws that are a big cost in the system. We've carried them for a year. They're not going to produce a lamb for us. So if, if we move so, from there, look, there, there'll be a proportion of them that might have bought before lambing. And then, as you mentioned, some of the various other reasons why we whittle our way down to near that 90% figure actually out in the field with lambs. And look, it's something we might just touch on again in terms of the follow-up actions on it. So, so I suppose the next thing then, uh, Kieran, is, is to look at the lambing issues. So what are the kind of issues that happened in, in the lambing shed? You know, lambing shed is a very busy place. It's the time when, when, you know, the most busiest time on a sheep farm when most of your, your work is kind of crowded into a very short period of time. And, and the couple of things that we'd want to be looking for is the number of yours that are aborted. Okay, so the number of yours, we'll say that scanned, but, but either delivered dead lambs or rotten lambs or mummified lambs or... Um, and really, we're looking for that to be less than two percent. If you know, two per, if greater than two percent of your yaws are aborting in your flock, then it's likely that there's some infection issue at play there. And really, because you know, when the first yaw aborts, Kieran, we don't know whether that's the start of a bigger problem or whether it's a once-off. So we should really be trying to get all the aborted samples to the lab for analysis. And so the question then is, did you do that? If that happened, if you had yours aborting, did you send the placenta and the fetuses to the lab? Um, yes or no. So if you did, then okay, hopefully the lab will come back with a result. We only get a result in about, you know, 40, 50% of the cases. Um, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times they can't identify what it is. Um, and if we didn't send stuff to the lab, then we need to consider doing blood samples. Uh, taking blood samples from these yaws. So can we still identify the yaws that aborted? Um, are there are these a group of yaws somewhere that we can pull out and get the get our vet out to take some blood samples and send it away to try and identify what's causing the problem? Because you know, if it is an infectious agent, for some of those infectious agents there are vaccines. But those vaccines have to be given when the yaws are dry before mating next year. So it, it's important that we identify it and do it early. Yeah. Will it be fair to say like in a lot of flocks out there there's probably a higher level of, ex we accept a higher level of abortion in some of these flocks than we should really. Like that 2% figure, it doesn't belong getting to that point. And once it goes beyond that, there obviously is a problem. Are a lot of flocks out there accepting a higher level of abortion than they should really? I, th I think they are, Kieran. And I think what we often see, um, you and me both and, and our colleagues in the advisory side, 
is somebody who gets gets hit multiple years. So has a few years aborting this year, maybe a few next year, then gets a real bad abortion storm and then says, God, I need to, to do something. And and at that stage, goes to the lab and says, oh, I've got enzootic abortion or I've toxoplasmosis. I should have been vaccinating for this. Unfortunately, at that stage, there's two or three years of, of hardship gone through. So really, I suppose the, the purpose of doing this is to identify it early if there's something there and get in and get on top of it, um, you know, and there are various different actions that we can take for some of these aborting agents. I suppose the other thing then, Kieran, that we'd see in the lambing shed or in the run-up to lambing is prolapse. And, um, you know, the percentage of yours that prolapse. Again, we see a big tolerance for prolapse on a lot of farms where people kind of accept a higher level of prolapse. And what I'd be saying to people is, if you have more than one out of every hundred yours prolapsing, there's an issue on your farm. You know, the one in a hundred, we can say, you know, that's a bad look or, you know, there's, we mightn't get on top of that. But when we start going above that figure and on lots of farms now, um, we'll see higher figures than that, you know, three and four and maybe even 5% of yours prolapsing. That's, a, that's an issue around feeding, um, feed management and truck space. And um, maybe even, you know, retaining yours that have prolapsed in the past and things like that. So what, how many yours prolapsed? And, and then basically, if that's greater than 1%, 1 in 100 yours, then Kieran, we need to start taking action. We need to start looking at, you know, how we're feeding and all that. Just, Michael, like the immediate action on that one, obviously, is calling them yours that have prolapsed and getting them out of the flock. Yep. So for this year... I mean, what's happened has happened and we're not going to change that. So you just want to be able to identify those, make sure that they, they don't end up in the breeding flock next year because they will prolapse again or are very likely to prolapse again. Um, but also, I suppose, um, establishing the figure uh, tells us whether we're, if we're below that 1%, we can say, okay, you know, we're doing good enough for a job here, nothing to see here. If we're above that 1%, that, you know, 2 or 3% of the U.S. are prolapsing, then there is something to see here. And we need to we need to, to, to take stock of that and have a look at it. You know, how are we feeding the concentrates? Um, you know, how much truck space have they? How much space have they? You know, are we feeding them on outside on steep inclines? Um, all these kind of things and, and try and get on top of it and prevent it from happening again next year. Longer term actions to reduce that labour input. Look, when we are talking about labour input, um, you mentioned the lambing shed, the morbidity, the sick lambs, the ones that didn't get off to a great start, putting a bit of a figure there on how many lambs are intervening with, how many lambs are treating is another important element of this review. Yeah, so look at a lot of the time you spend in the lambing shed, Kieran, is involved in, in, in doing, you know, it's a, it's a high uh, period in terms of labour requirement. And these lambs that need stomach tubing or need to be caught and repeatedly injected or yours with big paps or lambs with watery mouth, they take up an awful lot of time. An awful lot of time spent nursing these sickly lambs, uh, you know, and often with poor results. Um, so what we'd be saying is, how many lambs did you treat for navel or joint ill? Okay. Um, so this is not lambs now where every lamb when it is born, we're, we're disinfecting the navel, um, the ones that subsequently then become uh, lame uh, or, or end up with joint ill or navel ill and are treated, how many? And if that's greater than 1% of your lambs, so a farmer who has 200 lambs should not be treating more than two lambs 
for joint or navel ill. That's a target. Again, targets are difficult to achieve. That's why they're targets. Um, but somebody who's maybe has 10 lambs that have got were treated for joint ill, there's an issue on that farm with hygiene uh, and, and colostrum around lambing time. And we need to look at that. We need to look at what are what are the issues that are causing these. The same with watery moat. Okay, so again, uh, if we're going in treating an awful lot of lambs um, for watery moat and maybe going in with, with an oral antibiotic to prevent it in lambs, why is that happening? Um, you know, again, we need to look at the hygiene. Uh, we need to look at colostrum quality and quantity and the management around the lambing um, shed in, in order to prevent that. So the, the two targets we have there are very simple. They're, they're less than 1%, so less than 1 in 100 lambs being treated for either um, joint ill, navel ill, or watery mouth. And um, really, I suppose, we're coming to the stage, Kieran, with uh, what we call AMR, which is antimicrobial resistance. And, and basically, that's where, where the bugs on, on, uh, uh, become resistant to the antibiotics. And we want to uh, reduce the amount of antibiotics that we use in food producing animals because there's a link, a strong link between um, antibiotic use in food producing animals and the link to, to, to these resistance bugs in human medicine. And for that reason, I suppose what we're saying to people is work out what your, your figures are see how you're faring with compared to the targets. And if there is a, a room for improvement, take a few steps, look at the things the, the, to reduce the uh, antimicrobial usage um, so that you're not depending on an, an antibiotic um, to cover up basically, you know, poor hygiene or poor colostrum quality or those kind of things like that. We've seen flocks, Michael, have addressed that over a number of years. And it might take a number of years in some cases, just some basic tweaks in management to reduce that dependency on antibiotic usage. Yeah, look at if somebody has been injecting lambs every year for the last 10 years or giving lambs an oral antibiotic um, uh, immediately after birth for the last 10 or 15 years, it can be hard enough to convince them that, you know, to, to let go of that crutch. And I suppose it's it, what, what we need to do is get the, the management in place first, get the, 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 the hygiene right, lots of straw, lots of lime. Um, get the nutrition right for the O's in late pregnancy so they have loads of colostrum and it's really good quality colostrum and then making sure that the lambs get up and suck in time to, to get that good colostrum into them. And, and what, we're, what we've seen on, on, on most of the farms that we're working closely with here in the, the, the Better Farm, in the Better Sheep Farm program, um, that, you know, bit by bit, um, as, the, as things have improved, they have left go of all these crutches and there, there's virtually none of them now that are injecting lambs at birth routinely for prophylactic use of antibiotics or, or giving oral um, antibiotics because the hygiene is good um, around the lambing shed, in the bedding, lots of lime being used or various different disinfectants and the colostrum is good and the lambs are, are, are getting up and sucking. And there's no need for the antibiotics because um, you know the lambs are doing well. Look, just one other aspect of the lamb that we haven't mentioned yet, but Lamb and difficulties, level of intervention, level of assistance being provided during lamb. Like we've seen huge variation out there on commercial farms from previous studies. We looked at it. What should we be aiming at here? And like, what are the couple of things we need to take note of now to maybe try and change that or reduce that input for the coming year? Yeah, Kieran. So look at I, I think in terms of of interventions, there's there's quite a number of farmers out there, you know, and from the studies that we did, I think you did one as well, Kieran, a number of years ago on the Better Farm program. 
you know, we had one farmer who was intervening in 80% of the births. A lot of that was voluntary intervention. You know, the yo was lambing and he was going to make sure that that the yo was going to lamb and, and successfully lamb and he was going to intervene um, down as low as maybe 20%. Um, but I, I suppose the, the voluntary intervention, while it's important that it, when, where that's taking place, that it's done hygienically and that we're not introducing bugs and anything like that, in, in terms of the ones that are, where we have to intervene, the ones where intervention is required, I suppose these are the ones that we need to be looking at. So this is the, the O that's lambing, and she's not going to lamb on her own, that the shepherd has to intervene, otherwise, you know, the lamb and or the O will die uh, in the birth process. So let's have a look at that and see what percentage of, of yos are there uh, in that category. And if it is greater than 20, 25%, then we need to start wondering why is that there, you know, and, and simple things like that people will remember at this stage, Kieran, is, you know, were the lambs too big? Um, you know, and very often how you know whether the lambs are too big, even when you're not weighing them, is if a lot of lambs are coming with with one leg or two legs down or the head back, because basically the legs and the head together are too big to get into the birth canal at the same time. Or even when lambs are coming, big lambs are coming and you'll see the little legs are crossed. That's a sure sign that that the lambs are too big. So then we need to look at our, our uh, late pregnancy nutrition. Are we feeding these yos too strong? In particular, our singles are going to be the, the, the main culprits here, you know, and, 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 and some of the twins. This, the second thing I suppose, Kieran, to look at then is, is um, you know, lambs slow to get up and suck. You know, um, and why is that? You know, is that because they're so big that they've had such a, a, a traumatic time being born that when they are born, they're 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 kind of tired and exhausted and 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 they're not going to get up and suck for for a long time, and we have to intervene maybe and stomach tube them um, and maybe feed them a second time. Is it a breed issue? You know, did we buy a new, a new ram? Uh, is it a genetic component that just, you know, there are rams out there that just have less vigor uh, and their offspring have less vigor or have a greater uh, will to, 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 um, to die? Um, is there a mineral or vitamin imbalance? Very often people, we like to blame mineral and vitamins for lots of things. But I mean, you know, genuinely we can see things in terms of minerals and vitamins in newborn lambs that, that can predispose them, I suppose, to get being slow and sleepy and get, not getting up and so so it's it's basically about looking at all these things Kieran and seeing okay why did I end up having to pull 25% of the the, the intervening 25% of the births this year um you know is it because I fed the oats too strong is it because the lambs were were, were so big and they weren't um weren't able to 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 be born naturally and then they were you know either injured in the birthing process um, or were just basically spun out by the time we managed to get them out and they spent, you know, seven or eight or ten hours lying down before they could ever even attempt to stand. And then we ended up having to feed them. So these are the things that we want to try and avoid um, because they take up a lot of time and they result in extra mortality. And if we figure out what went wrong, we can take steps next year then basically to, to get the nutrition right. If there's a vitamin mineral imbalance there to, to get that right. If, if it's a genetic component that we had a particular ram, that we realized that all of his progeny were very poor and slow, that we get rid of him. 
and and replace him with something that hopefully is a little bit better um you know and 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 that's that's really what we're about so the whole idea about i suppose what i'm talking about here here with you today is you know everything is fresh in our mind now most people are finished recently finished or just finishing up um now is the time to sit down. You're not going to remember it in two months' time or in three months' time. You certainly won't remember it in, in 10 or 11 months' time when you're, you're starting back into it again. Make a few notes. Write it down somewhere. Um, stick it on the fridge. Stick it in your office on the wall. These are the things that worked well. Um, these are the things that didn't work well. These are the couple of areas that I am outside of the targets, okay, that I'm, I, can, I need to improve. Um, and then work out how you want to do it. So talk to your, your vet, your advisor. Um, you know, there is a reason why some people consistently hit these targets. It's not, it's not just down to look. And there is a reason why people don't hit those targets. And I suppose we can all strive to improve um, the situation a little bit. And the, the, the bonus here for everybody at the end of this is that we end up with more lambs um, to sell uh, and less work. And there, it's you know, it's a win-win situation by in, uh, implementing some small little changes here. We end up more live lambs, less intervention, less work. In the context of the win, it would certainly be profitable. Maintain anything we could, Michael. I'll just like go back on one point with you, and it's probably a simple one at this point. We often talk about the importance with nutrition of dividing and feeding according to when they're lambing. A very simple action maybe for some of them farmers at the moment is work out the total quantity fed. We'll have the meal dockets fairly fresh, so we will. We know how many yews actually were in the shed or lambed or outdoors lambed and work out the total quantity fed because we have good information on what's required depending on different silage qualities. But it's another figure that's probably not actually captured or looked at in detail on farms. Yep. And and look, at it. it's a figure that is probably very easily got now at this stage, Kieran, because whatever meal has been bought this year is, is probably what's been fed to yours. You know, there's very little creep at this stage being bought um, or meal bought for lambs. Um, unless know that somebody's finishing maybe a few, few hogged lambs or something at the back end of the year. And they, they, they came into this spring as well. But for most people, I suppose, working out how much meal was fed is, is, is easy. If it's done now, it's probably not that easy. If you're trying to do it next September, October, when you spend, you know, the summer buying maybe meal for lambs as well, and it's all mixed in together. So, yeah, no, another simple benchmark you can use. Yeah, look at and and and, and I suppose the other thing that comes into that, Kieran, and it's something that people are going to be doing shortly, you know, in the next month or six weeks, is is cutting silage and you know the quality of the silage you have. If you are feeding an awful lot of meal, um then, you know, maybe look at your silage quality because you're, you're propping up poor quality silage and try and make better silage this year. Um, and there's money to be saved there as well. But look at, I suppose, in, in, in the context of, of, of um, lambing, a lambing review, Kieran, often we hear people saying, you know, I had a load of prolapse this year, you know, fierce bad look. A lot of the time, it, this is not down to look. There's something that's going wrong here. And it's it's relatively easy often to fix these things. They're relatively simple things that will fix them. And what I would encourage everybody to do is to to you know take the, the time, half an hour, to sit down with a pen and paper, write down the few figures off the top of your head. You have them in your head. Um, 
write them down. Have a look at how your your performance is. Talk to your advisor. Do a, a lambing review with you. We'll have all the figures. Or we've given a lot of the targets here. If you're outside of those targets, um, you know, look for advice on it. Don't just say, ah, sure, look at them are targets and sure, I'm at that bed or what, you know. Look look for, for a bit of advice because we should be all trying to achieve these targets. And as I said, like when you achieve those targets, it's really a win-win. It's a win in terms of financial and it's a win in terms of workload. Um, I think for, for you as well. The key thing, Michael, is like this is a cycle, not of actions, whether it be the lab reports now, the vet doing the blood samples on the board to Jules, better silage. It all feeds into the next year and it actually kicks off at this stage. You're planning for next year. So it is a vital task to do at this stage when it is fresh in your memory. Absolutely. Yep. Look, it can't be done here unless you've taken notes during the lemming. You're not going to be able to do this in a couple of months' time. You won't remember the figures. Um, you know, you'll be focusing on the, on the coming year. Uh, now is the time to do this. People are going to do this. Michael, as always, great getting you on. Thanks for that today. Very useful. I think it's a task that we should try and complete on farms at the moment. Thanks, Karen. We're going to wrap things up at this point again. It's a timely thing to complete at the moment. We're looking at some very simple changes you can make in your flock, whether it's vaccination, whether it's improving the silage quality we produce, so maybe changing around some of the design of our shed for the following year. Just help reduce some of that input of labour, you know, improve our land survival, and again, it has a big impact on overall profitability. So it's a simple process, again, one we should be completing at the moment. If you want more assistance, well, again, it's something to contact your local Chuggles advisor, and he'll bring you through how to attain some of them key targets that Michael had discussed. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and you can listen in to any of our episodes.